Mini-episode 1135 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode number 1135. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris coming at you. And again, one of our favorite football analysts that we talk to regularly on the show, good friend Franz Stuckberry from such fine outlets as Our Sports Central. He is uh, an expert on all things XFL, both the first incarnation and this uh, new one that's coming up next year. And uh, you, you can follow his uh, uh, work among other places. He is the administrator of one of the finest pages on Facebook here. Bar none, any subject anywhere, Gridiron Access. Go like that page right there, people, because you will be getting, as I said to him off air, regular updates on things at all levels of football. Uh, he's not shy about the uh, XFL coverage on there, but uh, you're, you're getting football coverage from other areas as well. And uh, the XFL, and we'll be talking about this as well because this is part of the story that sort of informs his coverage of it. Uh, it's a very special part of his life, uh, the first incarnation of the XFL, which I know is making him all the more enthusiastic for the second incarnation in 2020. Again, good friend, Franz Stuckberry. Thank you so much for making time for us today, my friend. How are you doing? Doing good, Rick. Happy to be on. Very happy to have you on. And you know what? Let's uh, let's start with your origin story vis-a-vis the XFL because uh, there's not a lot of people out there that have a story like this one in terms of their life being intertwined with something like the XFL and uh, this this crazy upstart league that existed only in 2001 from out of the fevered mind of uh, Vince McMahon. But you were right there covering it, and uh, it, it's been such a intertwined part of your life, it's so fitting that you're going to be covering it the second time around. Back in 2001, I did the best show covering a weekly column, uh, and, I, and one of the people I interviewed was uh, was a winner rage quarterback, Jeff Rom, who's now the head coach of Purdue. So I did a, a, a great column in depth. I did team-by-team previews. I interviewed the, the director of football operations, Mike Keller. And then um, after this whole about seven years later, I started getting involved covering the United Football League. I joined a fan site called UFL Access, and their administrator, Nation Hahn, um, messaged me, telling me he knew who I was, and, uh, and he read every single Expo story when he was 14 years old. So then, um, years later, um, I, I decided to move to Raleigh, because I was good friends with him, and I always went to Raleigh area. So now, thanks to the original Expo back in 2001, I'm living in Raleigh right now. That is really uh, incredible that it made such an impact on your life, uh, and to make a friendship like that, and uh, it, it really is... Uh, an amazing story, and uh, it's just, on a macro level, it's just, it's weird how history repeats itself, because you can't talk about the XFL without talking about uh, the company from which it springs, uh, in, uh, in terms of uh, the WWE, and uh, you and I also being big fans of the pro graps, you have the XFL coming along almost 20 years later, 
at about the same time that the Monday Night Wars, which were winding down at the uh, time of the XFL in 2001, appear to be reincarnated as the Wednesday Night Wars, with AEW coming on Wednesday nights this fall on TNT to be opposed by the, uh, the, the, the NXT promotion, which will be moving to the USA Network. So it's crazy that two things that we haven't really thought about in present tense terms uh, in, in, in this entire period of time, from the beginning of the 2000s to the end of the 20-teens, the pro wrestling wars and the XFL, they're both coming back at the same time. It feels like fate somehow. It's going to be a lot of fun. And supposedly there was supposed to be two wars, AEF versus the XFL in 2000, 2020, but AEF only lasted one, the Alliance of American Football only lasted one season, mainly because they did not have the funding. They believed in an investor that, that was going to commit money and, and he never and Reggie's power that he never did they, they, they decided to beat they had, they had to beat the XFL to the punch and, and get to the market first which you know ended up blowing up in their face it did, and uh, you've got the WWE as a publicly traded company and a stock that uh, had really gotten inflated a lot over the course of the last year. Whether it's overinflated or not, I'll leave that to the Wall Street experts to say, but when they got the hot new TV contracts from both USA and the big money deal from Fox, that put a lot more money in the pocket of Vince McMahon when he went to go sell some stock. So that's how a lot of this is getting funded. Vince is paying out of his own pocket and a lot of it has been basically these things that, I mean, if you want to say as an executive money that he earned by driving up the value of his company, I mean, I guess that's fair enough for, for as many complaints as I would have about the product over the last couple of years. The stock price has gone up, and in pro wrestling, the only real uh, determinant of success or failure is the, is the bottom line. So Vince is funding this thing, uh, and, and he's doing it in ways that the AAF couldn't even begin to compete with because, again, their whole thing... At the end of the day, it seemed to be a bunch of people pointing at each other going, uh, I thought you had the money. Yeah, and, and I, being a Rollins, I, I kind of had it. I, did, I wrote a weekly AF comp because I work at PNC Arena, and, uh, and, I, and I work with Carolyn Hurricane Games, and Tom, Tom Dundon comes out, of, you know, comes out of nowhere to rescue AF and makes a commitment to, um, to fund them for the season. And the thing with, with him is when he got involved, he, he didn't realize Guess what, Tom? You're, you're you're responsible for previous debts when you, when you invest in the business. And Tom's like, I'm not paying this. <laughs> so it's just it's just it's just disappointing because you know all the money that was all the money that was, that was people that owed money, see the ticket holders didn't get didn't get the money back. They went into bankruptcy. Players got treated terribly. Um, in some players that were injured that were hurt, and it was just a, and, and the sad thing is, Rick, if the AF had a second season, there was a very good chance I was going to have Tim Rowley to either work for or, or definitely be a big fan of. Well, yeah, and uh, that league, it, this is one of these things where, again, the perspective is a little bit different. I mean, and I, look, I'm I'm a pretty hardcore football guy, but uh, I, don't, I don't begin to put myself uh, on, on the level of somebody like you when it comes to watching all levels of football, uh, nor a guest of ours fairly recently on the show, Cynthia Freeland, because I was kind of ribbing her recently when she was on the show about the AAF analytics segments she was doing on TV. I'm going, you know, I'm looking at it like the difference between these players is, to me, is like angels dancing on the head of a pin, because these are all guys that couldn't make the NFL. To, to me, there's pro- I, I don't see as much of a differential in skill level from team to team, 
I would guess that it's probably more coaching on what you're getting out of a fairly similar bunch of guys, but I don't know. I mean, that's that's my surface-level analysis of this. Do, do you see, as this goes forward, because we don't know the makeup of the rosters yet, we're, we're not at that point, but I mean, do, do you see a, a scenario where there could be any kind of real differentials between, oh, this team's way more talented than this team or whatever, or, or would coaching and development be more predominant than what we see as far as the outcomes? Well, it kind of, it kind of depends. Uh, teams have play for. It kind of depends on the draft. There's going to be a draft, so that's there's going to be a draft in, October, in mid-October, and then there's going to be another draft, like um, probably in January, in case they want to get any um, NFL players that season or CSL players who are free agents. Okay. So, so there'll be there'll, there'll be multiple opportunities. The thing is, the league's going to allocate each team eight each team um eight quarterbacks, and the first quarterback signed. So far, is Landry Jones. There's been a lot of jokes going around the last couple of days here uh, since uh, rumor has it the commissioner's son is pretty good at uh, football himself here, but I think we can pretty much put that one out of the realm of possibility as far as seeing Andrew Luck on an XFL field in 2020. Yeah, he, that's, that's not happening because the school's home his life, and the school's not going to let him you know, go to playing XFL. But he, he, maybe, maybe he gets involved in um, behind-the-scenes, maybe, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe an administration, maybe possibly. But the thing is, he, I mean, he, he uh, Andrew Luck was hurt so he got hurt so much. The last thing he's is getting involved with the XFL. Yeah, much less getting hurt for uh, he didn't he didn't want to get hurt for the millions and millions of dollars he was getting. He's not going to want to get hurt uh, playing for what these guys are going to be playing for. So yeah, people are making jokes about this, but they can kind of pretty much put that out of their minds. I agree with you. I think he'll be involved in some form or fashion because I think he will once he's away from the game rediscover his love of football and probably want to be involved in other ways. And with his dad being the commissioner. Uh, why not that way? But uh, when you're looking at the teams in the league here, is where uh, we're going to be uh, getting into the logo and name reveals from last week that were put out there. Uh, let's start in the Western Conference with the Dallas Renegades. They will be playing at Globe Life Park in Arlington. Uh, the head coach is Bob Stoops. That was uh, something that really drew a lot of uh, attention it was not a thing that was as surprising to me as it was to other people. I mean, I, a lot of people were, were shocked when it first came out, and I won't deny that I was, but I very quickly understood the rationale. Because it's a thing where this can't possibly be something that's going to be as draining a job for somebody like Bob Stoops. For somebody who worried about the effect of football on his health, this has got to be a lot less stress than, than the big-time NCAA programs, the NFL to me, it's like a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too kind of a thing, a way to stay involved coaching a team but not have the stress and expectations of the other levels. Do you kind of see it similarly? I definitely, I definitely see it for all these coaches. And it could basically be a six-month job to some, some extent where you have the draft, you know, uh, training camp, then you have full camp in January. It could basically be a six-month job. And plus the fact it is in Dallas, not that far from Oklahoma, and things with that market, I mean, you're going to be playing in a baseball stadium that's being being made in football, so the fans can be very close to the action, similar to the San Francisco Demons back in 2001 when they played at Pac-12 Park home with the San Francisco Giants. Yes, and uh, you know, it's it's going to be uh, an interesting visual setup in that kind of a way. Also visually, so they put out the uh, the logo, and uh, again, as, as you noted, you have a very great column on this. I want people to check it out at OurSportsCentral.com, as you noted, uh, featuring uh, an outlaw in the logo. 
and that uh, I know you noted some similarities to the old Dallas Desperados one from the AFL days. But uh, talk about the logo and how you think that might play into a color scheme for them. You, you, you may have you may have a blue and black, a light blue and black color scheme possibly. And the thing is, Renegades is a, is a common name, but it fits it fits the, the um, Dallas identity, the area, like. It does. It's it's got that uh, you know somewhat western kind of a theme, which staying on the same state here, basically, same deal. Houston Roughnecks. They will be playing at TDECU Stadium, uh, the primary tenant in that stadium, Houston Cougars football. June Jones running the program here. One of the more interesting names to me in uh, the last couple of decades of, uh, of uh, football coaching, this is a guy who always seems like he's, and I don't mean this in a bad way when I say bouncing around the fringe, but SMU, Hawaii, whatever, uh, hasn't really had uh, big-time jobs in college football. A, a guy who has been offensive coordinator, and I think he was interim coach a few times in the NFL, but a guy who was one of the big, big innovators. He, in a lot of ways, I think of him a lot like Mike Martz, that uh, somebody that, uh, again, whether you're talking uh, spread offense or different types of creative offenses, those these guys, to me, are sort of giants of the game, and yet neither one... Uh, you see today in a big-time NFL job, in a big-time college football job. So June Jones, yeah, maybe he's looking for something a little less stressful as well here. But uh, you know that they're going to come out playing a creative type of football because that is what we have come to expect from June Jones. I wouldn't surprise if they have a high-power line shoot off, but similar to what he did at SMU in Hawaii. And plus, he was also head coach of the Hamilton Tigers in the CSL school for a, little, for a while where – he had a hot and exciting offense there as well. But uh, talking about the logo, Rick, I mean, people are saying, people are saying, oh, it's stealing the uh, Houston Oilers logo. It's, it's similar, but it's a little similar. But you can't say that's copyright infringement based on that. Looking at that logo. Yeah, I mean, there are some similarities, and as you noted, again, this this outstanding column, which I highly recommend at rsportscentral.com, Oliver Luck playing five seasons with the Oilers from 82 to 86, so uh, with Houston being a team in the league, I'm sure this is something he had in his head. But uh, you had said that with the red and the blue there, that uh, maybe they might want to go with the same kind of blue threads there for the Oilers, and I would agree with your assessment, because I think that would go over uh, really well. Uh, that, uh, again, the Oilers are very fondly remembered in that town, never made it over the hump, but especially in the late 70s, some great teams that they had there. My Cleveland Browns tangled with them memorably a bunch of times, and I would agree with your assessment. Uh, I, I think if they heed your recommendation on the color scheme, they're going to be doing the right thing. Yeah, they definitely will. I, I feel it's something that the fans can embrace, it, and based on what I, 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 I read on social media, it's one of the more popular local logos that's been published. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see if they end up going in that direction. Also in the West, the Los Angeles Wildcats. They will be playing in Carson, California at Dignity Health Sports Park. Winston Moss is going to be their head coach. Uh, their, their stadium is the primary stadium for the L.A. Galaxy. And uh, Moss is uh, yet another, I mean, every one of the, I was going to say another interesting choice, but really all eight of these teams have interesting choices as head coach. Yeah, Winston Moss is uh, an out-of-the-box choice, but... I mean, he was a good assistant coach, and he, and he brings credibility to the table because his offensive coordinator is Norm Chow, who's known for running innovative offenses. Yes, he is. And uh, again, much like uh, June Jones, yeah, Norm Chow, 
uh, being on the sidelines in this league, uh, albeit in an assistant capacity, is just going to make it very interesting as well. And when we talk about how these teams are going to differentiate from each other, again, schematics and development is probably going to be the main battleground here when you're looking at the talent level of the players. I think it's going to be what you do with what you have. And uh, so the Wildcats are going to have that to be uh, thinking about on how they want to uh, do it on the field, off the field. As you noted in your great column, uh, L.A. in the logo, much like the Los Angeles Dodgers, and that a uh, little bit of orange and maroon combination here. So uh, it, it, it is really intriguing to think of what the uniforms might uh, look like. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a chance to me they might have the most striking uniforms in the league when they unveil them. I think they will have an interesting color scheme. And the only thing that helps them is that they are playing in a smaller MLS stadium where they, 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 there's not going to be that much pressure for them to get thirty or 40000 when they can get 25000 in there. It's, not gonna be, it's going to look great on TV. It definitely is, and uh, you, you've got you you go from that end of the spectrum to the extreme other end of the spectrum. The Seattle Dragons will be playing at CenturyLink Field in Seattle, and uh, so they're, they're of course sharing that stadium with uh, the Seahawks and also the Sounders FC team. And uh, it, when you're talking about getting a local legend in there as head coach. Uh, they doubled down on that one. Jim Zorn on the sidelines for the Seattle Dragons. That's going to be a big winner in a competitive local market. That's definitely going to bring fans there. I like the Dragons logo. Some people say it looks a little more UID places, but it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun logo. You can have a cool mascot. You can have a good color scheme. And another thing about the Seattle Dragons is their offensive coordinator, coordinator is Mike Riley, was the head coach of the San Antonio Commanders of the AAF. So they will have another another, another pretty uh, uh, exciting offense one. They will. We are definitely going to be seeing uh, some AAF alumni playing a part in this league uh, going all the way around. So that's your Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, the D.C. Defenders, they will be playing at Audi Field in D.C., which is the place where the United uh, soccer team plays, and Pep Hamilton on the sidelines there. So uh, really interesting for him, a guy who's worked his way up as an assistant coach offensively, Indianapolis to my Cleveland Browns to Michigan. So uh, this is one of the guys who is still working his way up the coaching ladder, trying to get a head coaching job uh, at a bigger college or pro program at some point. So some of these guys, just this looks like it's going to be sort of their last job, their quasi-retirement job. Pep Hamilton is different in the sense that this is a guy who I think is still at his age uh, looking for a bigger uh, platform somewhere else. It's interesting that he would choose the XFL for that. Well, he was looking for um, this opportunity. He wants to be head coach. Of course, the fact, this is not a one-and-done league. You, I guess he had to at least go three years before they make any decisions about, about, about giving up. Because this is not going to want him. It's not going to want him you know, to go. This wants him to, to, to succeed. He wants it to sustain. You very much so, yeah. And uh, in your column, you made a great point that uh, it almost looks like uh, sort of a crest-type logo there, and that uh, that could possibly tie into a, a military or patriotic theme uh, being in Washington, uh, D.C. You speculated about red, white, and blue uniforms. And uh, so, yeah, especially with a team name like the Defenders, uh, I'd be very, very surprised if they weren't going to go in the direction that you're suggesting. Yeah, plus, I, mean, I, I think that's, that's the direction they're going to go to. But also, there, there are another 
a big market, but they're playing in having lunch game where they'll look. I mean, they get twenty five thousand there. It's going to look yeah, and uh, that's that's what's interesting because you, you've got them in a major media center and then uh, especially this next team we're talking about, the New York Guardians. They will be playing at MetLife Stadium in uh, New Jersey and uh, you, you might have heard of some of these other tenants in the building, the Giants and the Jets. And uh, their head coach, Kevin Gilbride, again, when you're talking about uh, long time uh, folks roaming the sidelines in the NFL, a guy who was a head coach for a period of time and uh, for many, many other years, a top offensive assistant. Uh, you know what would really spice it up here, Fran, is if he ended up getting one of the Ryan sons to be his defensive coordinator. I'd pay to see that. Yeah, and so would I. I mean, you're also definitely a much needed market for the NFL. The big question was, uh, should they play a football home with the, uh, on the West? But the thing is, WWE had WrestleMania at MetLife Stadium. Vince wants to be at MetLife Stadium. It's, he wasn't going to go anyplace else. That's a great point. That's an absolute I hadn't put two and two together on that, but you're right. Uh, that was where the most recent WrestleMania was. The next WrestleMania will be coming up at uh, the home of the Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, who uh, we are going to be talking about now, Raymond James Stadium. That's where WrestleMania 36 is going to be. That's where the Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, I guess they're going to have to uh, play a little bit of a prolonged road trip during the season here, if that's the case, uh, sharing the stadium with WrestleMania next spring. Mark Trestman on the sidelines. Uh, he did a lot of good work uh, in, in my hometown of Cleveland over the years as a top offensive assistant uh, back in the uh, Bernie Kosar days, uh, also known for being a head coach uh, successfully in the CFL, uh, a little bit uh, less successfully for the Bears in the NFL, although that was a tough situation he was thrust into. But uh, yet another uh, thing here of, of, of getting a uh, super established coach, uh, somebody who is known for offensive innovation, like a couple of these other coaches we've talked about here as well. So uh, the Vipers, they're going to be, again, uh, they're one of the teams that's going to be playing in a big stadium and needing to fill it. And uh, I know they're hoping that the schematics of Mark Trestman are going to help get them there. Well, they're going to have an exciting offense. The guy knows how to, the guy knows how to run a high-power offense. I think that's going to be exciting. Uh, on defense, their defensive coordinator is Jerry Glenville. Yes, he's still alive and kicking. Wow. Well, that's going to be definitely worth seeing. And, uh, again, the, uh, the, the Vipers, you noted in your column that this nickname, of course, used before by the AFL-2's Tennessee Valley Vipers from 2000-2004 and that uh, in, in, in 2010 and the Arena Football League as the Alabama Vipers. So not much of a sense yet of what these unis might look like, but uh, you could go a lot of interesting directions, to be sure. Well, they're definitely, they're definitely going to have the Snake logo someplace on, either on the helmet or on the uniform as a secondary logo. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it'll be a mugshot of Jake the Snake Roberts. Who knows? But uh, they, they, they you, you want to tie that in. You want to tie in Jake the Snake in some way. Uh, great past lounge guest as well. But uh, the uh, the last team to talk about here that we haven't gotten to, the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, they will be playing at the Dome at America's Center in St. Louis, the erstwhile home of the St. Louis Rams, now the home of the St. Louis Battlehawks. And uh, Jonathan Hayes is going to be their head coach. Hey, he's I saw him during his press conference. He was very passionate. He had a lot of enthusiasm. I think I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna be a good coach. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. And uh, he definitely seems to have uh, the requisite amount of enthusiasm for the job. And uh, we'll see what he can bring to them. And uh, again, the Battle Hawks, uh, a very, very uh, creative name, as you noted in your column, uh, with a sword in the logo, and uh, again, the letters STL, as you pointed out. So you also indicated that it leaves open some interesting color scheme uh, possibilities. Yeah, you can have blue, blue, white, silver. And the other thing is, uh, I wasn't the first to notice it, but somebody else did, where if you flip the logo upside down, you, it does spell STL. I don't think the XFL is that creative to think, <laughs> oh, let's Subliminal things, yeah, you never know. The, the other thing is here, too, and that uh, a lot of times when, when a team has a longer name, there is uh, a tendency sometimes to abbreviate it, and uh, ironically, one of the other instances of that is the Seattle Seahawks. Sometimes you just hear them referred to uh, as the Hawks. Now, if that's the case in St. Louis here, again, maybe I'm really dating myself because I don't know how many people are still alive in St. Louis that remember the old St. Louis Hawks of the NBA. But uh, is that a possibility, do you think? You think the fact that, you know, St. Louis Hawks, that's got a nice kind of ring in some people's mind. I wonder if they were trying to invoke that in any kind of way. Well, it was shocking. Remember years ago when baseball team can't beg, it was devil rays. Yeah, yeah, you never know what they're trying to invoke here, but uh, again, a lot of interesting things happening already, and like you said, the next big thing is going to be the draft, you said, in October, right? Yeah, in October, and one thing I want to talk about the Seahawks briefly, but I think they're going to have best chance in the XFL. They 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 lost the NFL, too. I think they're going to have the best chance in the NFL. That's my prediction on that. Well, okay, that'll be worth paying attention to and, uh, and, and seeing what the chances of that are, and the, uh, of course, the launch of the season will be coming up uh, a couple months from now uh, as we sit here recording this. And, uh, of course, you know, your coverage, uh, I know, is going to be ongoing at rsportscentral.com. And, again, I want to go back and I want to hammer this point again here, too. The Gridiron Access page on Facebook. Go like it, people, because, again, uh, not just XFL, but other leagues in there as well. Of course, you know, some NFL, some college but uh, particularly for something like this, you're not going to find any page anywhere on Facebook that's going to be covering the XFL like Gridiron Access, uh, Fran being the administrator of it. And pretty much, uh, I'll give you credit here, pretty much a one-man band as far as you generating the content. And uh, again, I, I come back to what I said before here, too, that if you are somebody that likes the page, the, the, the stuff's always popping up on there. You are tireless, Fran, and you are always finding the really great nuggets. Yeah, thanks, Rick. I mean, uh, it's a fun page where I, I pretty much cover every, everything, everything, and with with uh, news and notes, videos, anything, any, anything, anything of interest of a wide variety of topics. But I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the next step with the XFL with the draft in October. I'm also looking forward to when they have the ticket prices come out. I'm trying, the plan, I, I hear the plan is to have some affordable options for families, families for, because the NFL. Yes, and that would be a very, very real point of contrast to the NFL if they wanted to uh, establish that. And I know they're looking to establish uh, positive uh, counterpoints to the NFL wherever they can. That would be one of them. I think the TV deal also is going to leave them a little bit more stable than the uh, the AAF because uh, they're, they're going to be on big platforms for all of their games here. And uh, from, from what I was reading about it, I think 
it's at least a little bit more of a favorable revenue cut than the AAF had. So that's something that should help them as far as their survival possibilities as well. I think it definitely does, especially with Fox and ESPN. And one guy I'd love to see doing basketball games on ESPN is Pat McAfee, who is now involved with ESPN as well. Yes, I think you would definitely see that because uh, he's got some involvement with WWE, and uh, so it's a natural bridge right there for him to do that. We know it won't be good old JR like it was in 2001 as he has moved over to All Elite Wrestling, uh, but uh, you never know who WWE might get from the ranks to uh, try to be the uh, the commentators for the, the games. But uh, So sitting here right now, uh, several weeks out from the draft, couple months out from the start of the season, uh, anything else uh, with, with the XFL going on that uh, is, is top of your mind? milestones that we'll all be able to uh, track through your coverage at rsportscentral.com and other outlets including the gridiron access page on facebook of which you are the administrator and uh, where you do a fine job as you do everywhere and uh, again it is not easy to find people who can break down this with this level of degree what's going on with the xfl uh, but thankfully, Fran, you are right there, uh, just arm's length away, to be able, being able to break it down for us. Thank you so much for your time today, my friend. Thanks, Rick. Always happy to be uh, Always a pleasure, Fran. Thank you again, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode number 1135. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all Clear Channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 